Welcome to the Pink Isle. My name is Henry Kasman, and joining me is my great friend, Emma Corey. Hello! You ready for some Pegasus? Because I sure am. Oh yes, we got a very special one today, folks. Uh, we are covering Barbie and the magic of Pegasus in 3D! Coming at you. Like, we are, are going to be up in the clouds, as they say, for this winged horse-themed Barbie movie. Yes. So this is another Barbie movie that I have basically zero knowledge about. Somehow this one skipped me over, I guess. But this one apparently has a lot of clout with its fans. Like, it's in terms of, like, uh, the Barbie movies that we've covered, this is apparently one of the higher tier ones uh, alongside Princess and the Popper, Rapunzel, and Swan Lake, even though Swan... Not... Yeah. I don't know. We, uh, but, yeah. Twelve Dancing Princesses. Ooh. Like I, I saw that one. I'm looking forward to talking about that one. But, yeah. anyway, Emma, you got a lot of thoughts, a lot of feels. I do. So, the, I remember watching this movie when this came out and this is probably like at least for like the the pre the first three barbie movies the ones that's the most ingrained in my psyche i would watch it all the time and i had it on dvd mm-hmm. and if you don't know about this whole three-day thing this is like this is like the pre really fancy movie 3d yeah, this is this like is the cardboard glasses with like the red and the blue red and the blue lenses. tinted uh cellophane that would Create the illusion of depth. Yeah. And, uh, Giving me Shark Boy and Lava Girl on DVD oh, flashbacks. Lord. There was, there's almost something innocent about early 2000s 3D before uh, 2008 rolled along and people realized how to better implement it. And then Avatar happened and then Sony tried to get on on it with the 3D TVs, and then Nintendo made the 3DS, which, don't get me wrong, I love the 3DS, but everyone pretty much agrees that the 3D gimmick was kind of pointless. I had a 3DS. I don't think I ever, like, kept the 3D on No one ever did. Like, there's a reason why, like, most people just buy a 2DS or, like, the new 2DS or one of the many, like, 50 different models, but that's a totally different podcast. But, yeah, so this was, I guess, Mattel's dive into the 3D market. Like, maybe after Fairytopia, I obviously do not have any sales reports on, like, how well Fairytopia, but given how little we end up hearing about it from fans and how, like, the sequels seem to be a lot more well-regarded, I almost get the impression that, like, it ended up underperforming to Mattel's expectations. I mean, you can probably look it up and see how it did. Well, that's the thing. Since it's primarily in direct-to-DVD sales, it's a little difficult to ascertain, like, the equivalent of box office stuff, because... I feel like a Pegasus is sort of a a return to form for Barbie, because we're getting another fantasy story. And for the first time, because I don't think they had a horse carriage and uh princess and the popper or at least that's it or at least not a marketable one. Oh yeah well no because th- well let's double check with our uh hopefully sponsor uh uh the uh barbie movie wiki let's check their 
uh, merchandise page. But I think you are right that they did not have uh, the horse-drawn carriage. Yeah, but, but in this movie, they make it up by having many horses, winged horses to mm. be exact. So, Quick question. Uh, do you recall if Fairytopia had a carriage at all? I do not believe there were any horses in that one. They just had the big old butterfly, yeah. and he who well, shall not be mentioned. Mm, agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, at least with like Princess and the Popper, oh, no, they did. They did have a horse carriage. They did end up having a horse carriage. That's that was it. That's the that's a formula. Yeah. Once you get the carriage out, the worse the movie ends up coming. And granted, Princess and the Popper didn't have a very prominent carriage in it, but it did have the horse in it. It yes. did have that horse character. It's the horses. I don't think it's the carriage. I think it's the horses that make it really. Like, you need that horse presence in your Barbie movie yes. to make it work, I think. Like, even though I was kind of bored by Swan Lake. They did They the did unicorn. have a horse main character, and she was pretty entertaining. Yeah, she ended up part. being, like, probably the better part of that movie. Yeah, and this one has uh, another horse sidekick in it. And it's another uh, going on an adventure movie. Yeah, so. so I'm going to be extremely interested in seeing how this one ends up turning out. I know, and uh, I know for anyone excited about the 3D, it's only like, it's one of those things where it's not 3D the whole time, just like in a specific scene, but it's like only mm. in one scene. And you will know when that scene comes up. Oh, we! I will be sure to look out for it. Uh yes. I'm assuming it's going to be just a whole lot of, oh, they're flying up to the screen. Oh, oh look It's how cl- way lamer than that, unfortunately. Oh, no. oh, so I be can prepared. only imagine, like, is it as bad as, like, a shark boy and lava girl situation, or is it even lamer? Hey, I love shark boy oh, and lava oh, girl. Oh, I'm, I'm that was a thousand a, pardons. That, is, that was a cherished childhood Okay, film. I apologize. That would be a good cheesy movie to watch, though. It's It's got some memeable moments in it. But I, I also feel like this one is a bit underappreciated. I think there's a lot of uh, room here you can go with for, like, creative things. Because they do kind of do sort of, like, a unique fantasy setup with this. Okay. And, you know, I just, I think it's enjoyable, so. Hope. You think it's just neat. Yeah, it's just neat. All right. Just before we start, uh, standard running through the crew. This time, we have two returning crew members here. This is going to be the return of Cliff Ruby and Alana Lesser, writer for Swan Lake, uh, Princess and the Pauper. Uh, I think they, they pretty much... Like, I'm they, pretty sure, like, all of them. Like, yeah, except pretty much, for Fairytopia. Yeah, and yeah. that's the other thing that made me suspicious of whether or not Fairytopia ended up doing as well as Mattel expected, because... Clearly, they wanted this to be, like, a bigger franchise. But the fact that this movie comes with a change in art style, a return of previous writers, as well as a new director, it might have indicated that there was probably... That maybe, like, after the sales of Fairytopia, there might have been... I mean, this is 100%. Fairytopia did have sequels, though, and, like, a spinoff to the sequel. So I don't think it... I think they were just wanting to go in different directions with it. Yeah. But anyway, either for this, for the director, we have Greg Richardson, who was the editor of Rapunzel, Swan Lake, and Princess and the Popper, who yes. has now taken up the director mantle. Yeah, this one. like he's done a lot of stuff for Mattel. Uh, Max Steele. 
Yes, so Max Steele is apparently his top form credit. Like, for some ungodly reason, even though I have yet to meet a single person who has freaking nostalgia for Max Steele. I still have no idea what it is. Yeah. It's... Wait, there was a 2017 Inspector Gadget thing? Oh, yeah, it's a Netflix exclusive. It's okay. Yeah. But he's done a lot of stuff with Mattel, like from uh, his work with the Max Steel movies. He's he's going to be doing uh, Barbie and the Twelve Dancing Princess and Barbie Island Princess. Uh, But he's also done work for the Little People TV show, which is a Fisher Price show that is a subsidiary of Mattel. Mm. And I think he's now just finally working outside of the realm of Mattel. Well, he's also done, like, stuff for Lego Marvel superheroes, but, yeah. He's putting the work. Looking forward to seeing how his how he ends up doing in this little yeah. role. But, as always, give a shout-out to Kelly Sheridan, all-star Barbie, but also starring as a troll. A troll? Yeah. She's credited as Princess Annika, a troll, and wife number three. So it's very clear that looking in these new movies that we are going to, we seem to be entering a realm of like really smaller voice cast and like a lot of double casting with a lot of uh, these voice actors. Definitely a smaller, like I know that in Fairytopia too, a lot more kind of like a, more of a core cast emphasis. Mm -hmm. But we also have uh, Mark Hildreth, who was Prince Dominic and Prince of the Popper playing the love interest in this one. Yeah, so so that's going to be interesting to see. And, uh, like, the second biggest one is uh, Kathleen Barr. Who, she was the villain in Fairytopia. Yes, as well as Balalina Lindbergh. And, oh, no, she was Venus de Milo. She played Venus de Milo in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation. Oh. So that's the lady turtle from like that's that the, live show they did, It's right? the lady turtle with the turtle boobs. It's, no! <laughs> I'm so... Oh. Again. It's okay. It's okay. She plays Bulma in a lot of Dragon Ball Z stuff, so she's fine. Mm-hmm. She's fine. She's got, she's got work. So, turtle titties, how does that work? Are you ready to watch this movie now? (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take flight with Barbie and the magic of Pegasus. In 3D. From the world of Barbie and the magic of Pegasus. Barbie and her flying horse make a change to make things right. Then she finds a way to build the wand of night. It's the magic. The Pegasus Princess Annika doll with magic wand and two dresses in one, being tore sold separately. And we are back. Listener, I have to say, I sit before you almost humbled by just how surprisingly amazing this movie yes. ended up being. I am ecstatic and I am just beaming. With excitement to talk about this today. Like, I just want to dive into the plot. That way we can just get to all the great stuff we had. See, I know there was a reason I liked this movie. It is 
definitely one that like even when I go back to it, I can still go back to it and still like find enjoyment out of it. Yeah, like I'm gonna be honest, like as much as I love Rapunzel and Princess and the Pup or this one, I I it's way too early to say if this is like now the favorite one that we've watched so far, but it's yeah. it's definitely like up there now, like, to a astonishing degree. And definitely between this and, like, Nutcracker and Fairytopia when it comes to, like, the get-the-adventure-go-get-the-MacGuffin type Barbie movies. This oh, one yeah. definitely stands out oh, as, like... Oh, yeah. Like, this is... Doing that plot the best. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Because, like, I don't know, at least for this movie, it really felt like there was, like, a sense of urgency and, like, a sense of, like, stakes, like... Yeah. People's lives are on the line in this movie. Like, they there's, take no prisoners. There's just a whole lot to this movie. From a very surface level story standpoint, it can be pretty simple. But when you look at, like, how they, like, set up certain themes and how they develop certain characters, there's just so much complexity that they've imbued within this. Mm. So we begin with the standard uh, opening credit sequence where we uh, go through the different writers, but... Instead, we are just kind of jumping into the action because we are seeing uh, Princess Annika, who is Barbie, like, skating around this patch of ice. Yeah, they kind of brought back the whole sort of, like, special talent thing they had in the early movies Mm -hmm. where, like, oh, this Barbie loves to paint or this Barbie loves to dance. Or or the, this Barbie doppelganger loves to sing. Yeah. So, but this one, she is into ice skating, which mm-hmm. they have a few ice skating scenes in this one. And yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. When I first saw this, I was I was feeling a little cynical where I was thinking, oh, they got access to a motion capture library about ice skating. And I was ready to be kind of bored with like just overly long sequences of ice skating, similar to how they were with ballet and stuff like that. But yeah. And honestly, there was a lot in these initial scenes of the movie that were making me be a little, like, unsure. But we'll get to where this all turned around. Yeah, so, and also, just to be forewarned, there are a lot of slides in this movie. There a are lot of sliding. Just involved. a lot of sliding where we see a young polar bear that she named Shivers just uh, sees Barbie and slides onto the ice. Yeah. Shiver is an interesting because, like, she kind of uh, crosses that bibble line between, like, kind of speaks, but, like, not intelligibly, like a Scooby-Doo type situation. Yeah, she she definitely seems like everything they wanted Bibble to be as a character. Like, yeah. something cute, something endearing, but something that can be mischievous in order to help, like, yeah. advance the plot. She does kind of screw, screw them over a few times, but it's like... She's too cute. Yeah, she she's God. If her. if Bibble pulled any of that, I I would yeah. have absolutely you no sympathy for that thing. I think I mentioned that when you're watching that. I think it is because like she, the way they characterize her, she comes off more as like a kid. Where yeah, Bibble came off as like a, a toddler. Or yeah, anything. where Bibble came off as a weird man. <laughs> so, <laughs> we got a polar bear. Which, yeah, the less we think about Bibble, the better. Honestly, which, to be honest, out of all the bears, though, polar bears would definitely be the worst one to like have around you, just because. I would, yeah, because like they are, yeah. they're dangerous even as cubs. Yeah, and like you know, with other bears, like there are like tricks where you can get them, but a polar bear will hunt you down as well. Yeah, I'm saying. there's no escaping those. But then again, like Bar uh, Barbie helps Shivers out and. 
uh, it turns out Shiver doesn't have a family. Yeah. And Barbie's just like, well, now you're in my family, which yeah. is which is very sweet. That's very nice. But also, like, when that bear gets older, if Barbie is able to maintain that loyalty, she is she could, like, this conquer. This is going to be some golden compass stuff Oh, my in. God. Like, I'm on. very much down with Barbie polar bear warrior princess. Like, yes. that... That's the sequel to this movie. Actually, oh, I think. I, I'd, I'd watch. I'd watch a sequel to this movie. I'd yeah. be very. I like. Here's the thing, the world that they set up in this movie. While I was initially like a little confused by what they were going for, because there's a definite mix between modern aesthetics and like your standard fantasy aesthetics. Yeah. Like what with like the fashion and stuff. The fashion stuff definitely veers towards like modern, and like a lot of the architecture as well. But, uh. Then we end up getting into a lot of, like, just really beautiful, like, locations that they end up going to. Like, while I was watching this, the thing that most, uh, like, came to mind was a very famous landscape painter named uh, Albert Bierstadt. Uh, he was a German painter, I believe. Yeah, we had a lot of, like, kind of, like, cloud formations. A lot of, like, uh, if you look at any of his paintings. He was very famous for making these very wide, expansive landscapes of mountainous regions. And what really set them apart is that there would be a great contrast of color because there would usually be very dark and areas uh, where the mountainous areas are and where the forest inevitably were. But then there would always be like this beautiful sky to them. There was almost something ethereal he ended up uh, moving to America and doing a lot of paintings of the Rocky Mountains and in California. And some recommended paintings I would seek out, I'll probably post them uh, to the Twitter, uh, but like the Rocky Mountains landscape uh, or like my favorite painting from him, uh, the uh, Among the Sierra Nevada, California. It is an absolutely gorgeous painting. Yeah. And a, a lot of the backgrounds and stuff you have this same type of contrast where you'll see these beautiful, like, uh, heavenly-looking clouds that offer, like, a nice contrast of golds and pinks and blues. And then the landscapes, they'll be, like, this deep, rich earth, which could easily look very muddy, but there's something about the way they ended up designing it that made it look rich and, like, like very pleasing to the eye. And yeah, and what I like about this movie is, like, they kind of sort of do a twist on the typical kind of, like, a generic European medieval-ish setting. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, just, like, the rolling valleys. They got these mountains, and it's got kind of, like, a snowy thing to it. Yes. So it, this they is a were... good Christmas movie, is all I'm saying. Or any holiday movie. Uh, yeah. Winter holiday movie. Yeah, yeah, like, it seems like they were trying to, uh, as we'll see a little later, mm -hmm. a lot of this movie felt very proto-frozen. Not just because of the winter setting, but, but there was also, like, a lot of Celtic aesthetic behind certain things. Like, yeah. uh, we see, like, Norse runes. We see, like, the weaponry has that very Celtic weave that you would see in a lot of, like, early Damascus steel swords. And, like, listener, there's just so much in this movie that made the art geek in me just, like, lose my mind. This... I know. And it feels 
feels very like unique, I think, compared to like other yeah. sort of, like, generic fantasy stories. Like it just has its own kind of vibe. I it think. does. It really does. Which so what's happening while Annika is skating? She is her like parents, her parents freak uh, out because yeah. she's gone. And looking around the kingdom, I was thinking like, okay, where is this? What is going on here? I was a little concerned because in these past movies, we've seen some like generic kingdoms, but like something about this kingdom felt extremely secluded to a point where it's like, how do they sustain themselves? What is going on here? It turns out there's a reason. There is a reason. There is a reason. I feel just so bad for like, looking at this with the cynical light because it ends up just kind of washing away. Yeah, and that's the thing, what I really like about this movie. I think it kind of lacks a lot of, like, those, like, fluff scenes that a lot of yeah. movies has where it feels like, even when they'll have, like, things where it'll seem just kind of like, eh, like, why is this here? But it actually, like, ends up coming back they do, later on. Yeah, they really do a good job of setting up future plot points and stuff. But So, anyway, the parents uh, in the situation, they're, they, ki- they're like... They're very overprotective to, like, a ridiculous degree. Mm-hmm. And, like, Barbie is, like, arguing with them. Annika is. And she's like, do you just want me to stay in my room all day? And they were like, yes, that's exactly what we want. And I was, and that was, that was, like, my first indication. I was like, oh, there's some meat on this, Bones. Because yeah. I Barbie thought. Barbie is snarky in this. Yeah, because I thought this was going to be about, like, parents don't believe in her and they want to keep they're being too protective but no it's going to be about her like establishing her independence and all that stuff yeah. and it, in a way it ends up being but not in the way I was I was expecting yeah so they do let her keep the polar bear though they let her reason. keep the polar bear but she can't skate at all yeah. like they take away her uh ice skates yeah and it's her birthday too yeah so like they did this on her birthday yeah like what the heck like, they are very over it, but you can find out there's a reason later. There is a so. reason later, but Annika's character, compared to a lot of other characters Barbie's played over the years, like, all of them did have this element of sass to them. Yeah. Uh, like, Rapunzel and maybe, like... Clara a little bit? Clara a little bit, yeah. Little bit. What I like about Annika is she feels a lot more flawed than other yeah. Barbies. Like, she actually, like, she has moments of impulsiveness. And yeah, and like, she acts very much like a young or new adult when her parents like take away her skates she's like you're ruining my life and yeah. it's like she definitely comes off as a lot more like teenager yeah which i'm very down for because a it feels pretty true to like the audience they want to go for but it also like gives her room to develop as a character and that's something that unfortunately in some of these barbie movies that's not usually yeah. afforded to them Watching this just made me, and thinking about the last one, is me how kind of like boring yeah. uh, Fairytopia protagonist is. Alina? Alina? Alina. Yeah. I don't know. But like, I don't know. I just really like how they characterize Annika in this one. So any other way, so she sees that all the villagers are essentially outside having an ice skating party. Yeah. The night, and they're like playing music, and she decides to sneak out with her little bear. Yep, but not before putting on a uh, pretty modern-looking dress. I think yeah. this was the one that I... I think I appreciated this dress the most. Yeah, she has, like, an ice skating outfit. Yeah, and... And it's... Like I said, some of the aesthetics in this movie are a little jarring. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's a very much, like, what you would expect, like, a professional figure skater to wear yeah. for a performance. Whereas everyone's wearing this sort of, like, high-fantasy sort of renaissance wear. She's wearing, like... A very 
modern dress in terms of its cut and all that stuff. I feel like in terms of the of the aesthetics, I feel like I'm kind of I'm fine with like the fantasy aesthetic stuff. I just feel like if they leaned more into like the sort of Celtic influences that are in the background, yeah. that might have like better establish it and make it feel. But yeah, we'll get into some of the other stuff. So she's joining in the festival. She's skating around, having a good old time. And yeah, she like a, and I know in laws that they usually uh, establish Barbie having some kind of like maternal ish instinct because they kind of had that with a shiver mm-hmm. early on, and she also like sees this little boy, and they do like a little skate thing. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, but all of this is interrupted. When suddenly, a powerful wizard named Wenlock appears and asks the princess to marry him. And listener, I declare to you, this was the moment when this movie went from good to great. And everything immediately clicked with me. And I'm just... Honestly, seeing you react to this part of the movie for the first time was great. Yeah. I I said, this movie, it goes hard. It goes hard. So he rolls up. Asks this girl to marry him is a total creeper, and he just casually mentions, "Oh, I used to have three wives, but they were all too annoying, so I need a fourth one." Uh, and it's just like you just immediately get what this guy's deal is. Mm-hmm. You immediately get like, "Oh, you are definitely a bad guy." Yeah, without... and also like we mentioned, Barbie is supposed to be like a teenager. Yeah, time, so it's like and the way that extra he's... creeper. Yeah, and, I mean, definitely there's this creeper aspect to it, but, like, most of these other uh, villains in these Barbie movies, and most, like, children's villains, too, like, they do, they present them in a way where they're somewhat threatening, but not so much where it gives, like, the young audience, like, an element of, like, visceral fear, because you don't want to scare them too much. Definitely, and I think when, like, he kind of, like, he, like, sort of gets that balance between still being kind of, like, a silly, but also being, like, a legitimate threat. Yeah, he's... It's so strange. Like, I usually the villains are my favorite part of this, but... And as much as I loved Wenlock in this movie, like, everything else ended up being so good. Like, that's how good this movie is, listener. Yeah. Like, the fact that this is definitely the best villain we've seen in these movies so far. And yeah. partially because there's just such a believable aspect to him, like, the way that he tries to control like, the other people in his life, and the way that he's, like, compensating for himself by, like, hurting others. Like, it's a very real villain, and it ends up making him feel more effective, and it's just, like I said earlier, like, most of these other villains, in terms of how they act, like, most of the ways that they present their evil nature, it's it's very overt. It's almost, they almost present it like exposition. Like, oh, I'm evil because of these things. But with this guy, like, like he doesn't tell you he the reason has, why he's like, evil. He like, entitlement to people. Yeah, and like, it's, like, we don't... establish he's, like, a thief. He likes to take things from other people for himself. Yeah. yeah. And, like, the fact that, like, they never spell out the reason for why he's evil. Because just by watching the way he acts, you already kind of understand why he's evil. Because yeah. he's just this truly pathetic person that likes to control other people and yeah yeah, it's just oh my god and the thing is like the way they establish his motivation they sort of did the thing where like 
although his like motivations are petty, he's like hard to stop. Exactly. Like, yeah. They're kind of like this other thing. Like no one can do anything against what he does. He's just able to like go in and try to like demand whatever he wants. Yeah, because as soon as he rolls up, and as soon as like Annika like rejects him, he just turns the entire kingdom to stone. Oh yeah, he has he has no qualms with mur- petty murder. Yeah, no. he tells her accept my proposal. Or else these will all be stone in three days. Yeah, they're going to permanently be in stone for three days. But not before uh, her parents, the king and queen, roll up. And he says that I will do what I did to your last daughter. And it's just like, what? Daughter? And Annika didn't know about this. And like, to think about this movie, listener. Like, every time I thought, like, it could get better, like, they add this new element that makes it me be like, oh, oh, heck yeah, all right. Yeah, we got some good twists in here. We do, because it turns out Annika has a sister that apparently long ago, Wenlock rolled up to the kingdom when she turned 18 or so, asked to marry her. When the king and queen said no, he turned her into a pegasus. Which they... Yes, I'm sorry, really we're, we're skipping b- ahead. They, they frame as a really bad thing, but honestly, that's, like, an awesome... Because, like, you're oh, a yeah. flying horse now. Like, you can do anything. But then again, I guess... Yeah, I mean, beach. you lose thumbs, though. That is true. And plus, you gotta get your hooves cleaned yeah, out by someone else, and then someone's gotta brush your mane, yeah, and, like, and getting you your got, like, wing. little kids putting, oh. like, things in your mane. Oh, and, and that's like not that. even going into the feathers and the wings and the maintenance that requires, like... Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, but so it looks like like he's about to like take her away when suddenly a uh a flying horse whooshes in and like steals Annika and shivers away and and flies away and oh yeah I should mention Wemlock has this griffin yeah no- he's got a griffin so. which villain sidekick he's perfectly menacing but it could have been so easy if they give the griffin, like, a stupid voice or, like... <laughs> Luckily, could, the griffin does not talk. They could have made him, like, another gay weasel. <laughs> or worse, those stupid goblins from Fairytopia. Oh, yeah. But... I would prefer... He's just menacing enough because he's, like, his pet that is... Oh, my God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm speechless. I'm without speech. Mm-hmm. I'm just... You yeah. see, I had watched this movie not too long ago, so it's, like, I'm just, like... This is just reality for me. I know how this is. Man, the fact that I've lived so long without witnessing the majesty of Barbie and the magic of Pegasus. I know. It's like feeling converted. Like, like, (laughs) listener, I almost want to, like, tell you to stop listening right now. Like, pause and watch this movie for yourself. I mean, it's on YouTube, so I mean. Yes, but if you can legally acquire it. Legally. I've never done anything illegal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, because we legally streamed this by yeah, paying definitely. money, of course, because we got to give Mattel our money yeah. in exchange you know for this they product. Need money. That's what Mattel needs. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so this Pegasus named Brianna Brietta. flies off. Brietta's, I'm sorry. Yeah. Flies off and takes Annika to the Cloud Kingdom. Which, admittedly, I was also a little, like, Yeah, unsh- they never really explain what it is or why. It's just 
Apparently they control the sunset and sunrise. That's all they need. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all you really need to know about the Cloud Kingdom. But when we were watching this movie, like, I admit I was initially annoyed by, like, how we didn't really get to know much about, like, the world that they were inhabiting. But I re- after watching this movie, I realized that this movie is only an hour and 18 minutes long. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's under 90 minutes. Like, you could tell that they had, like, all of the- these ideas that they absolutely want to cram in there and in order to do that they kind of had to sacrifice in some areas like explaining the cloud kingdom and where annika's kingdom is and all that stuff but yeah. i think that was for the best honestly yeah, given definitely, what we get. like i feel like i didn't need like an exposition dump because in, yeah like they don't really stay at the cloud kingdom long and it's like a lot more is just focused on like the journey that exactly on. yeah so, so the setup isn't nearly as important annika is taken to the cloud kingdom where she meets the queen of the clouds and like all the other people who Help yeah. maintain the sky. They got some, like, the, the big-headed children's are back. And they got yep. little big-headed horses now. And they got their own gimmicks. There's one that repeats everything in threes. There's one that's always asleep. And then there's just, like, a generic one. Yeah. Is that the one where, like, she's just sort of, like, says things in a monotone most of the time? I couldn't tell if that was her gimmick or if that was just the delivery. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Apologies, to Apologies to child actors. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Pay your child actor as well. Anyway, this is where Annika discovers that Brietta is... Her sister. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And it's just like the idea that she had the second sister that she did not get to know about. And and there is Brietta potentially like observing her sister from afar, seeing her grow up while never being able to know her. Yeah. And also the fact that this heavily implies that Annika was, like, the makeup child. Yeah, the second chance child after they lost the first one. Which is... Which definitely puts, like, the, the actions of the king and queen in a different context. It does. Like, I mean, it still doesn't fully justify what they do, but it it at least makes you empathize with them and understand them. And it, yeah, it's just, like... it's like they're going through the trauma of having lost a child. Yeah! Like, and, like, this is what I'm talking about, where, like... Every now and then, they'll be adding, like, these extra levels of complexity. Because, like I said at the very beginning, it seems like an an extremely simple story, but there's just this level of, like, complexity and depth within, like, the subtext of this movie. And, like, that... It's just astounding! And I just, like, I think it kind of taps into, like, that kind of adult fear of, like not being able to protect your child and that, like, someone could just, like, come in and, like... So many of these movies have a very sanitized world where it's usually, like, only, like, one or two bad people mm-hmm. in there and usually they're working together. But there's, like, a level of, like, realism here. What I mean to say is that they sort of build up this world where not everything is all plastic, for lack of a better term, where... Like, things have consequences, and things have, like you said, stakes. Yeah. Ugh, so... So, they they established, Brietta had told Annika earlier that Winlock, essentially, he was a regular dude who stole a big ol' staff from a a powerful sorcerer. Which I think that might have been... I thought that it was the Cloud Queen that she stole from no. but they never tell you who this sorcerer is all you need to know is that he's has this un- sudden unlimited untapped power that he's been using to manipulate people yeah which again i think that's totally fine by me mm-hmm. like i think they ended up 
giving the character like pretty much everything they need in that regard. Definitely. But uh, the Cloud Queen informs her that the only way that uh, Annika can break the spell on her family and her sister is by acquiring a mythical item called the Wand of Light, which is supposedly something that no one's ever seen before. No one knows it exists. And Yeah, and like uh, the whole time Brietta is like, no, that's just a myth. I've tried to find that before, but no which, one's out. Like the way that Brietta's voice actress delivers these lines, like you get this sense of like desperation from her. And like you could almost imagine like years upon years of her searching the land, desperately trying to find the Wand of Light, but yeah. to no avail. And it's just... Yeah, there definitely is some, like, older sibling, younger sibling dynamic where she's kind of, like, a lot more sort of uh, disillusioned by the world because she's been stuck in this horse form for so long. Yeah, which... She, like, doesn't barely even remembers what it was to be who mm-hmm. she was before. And this was, like, the other thing about this that was very proto-Frozen in my mind. Even though this is such a short movie, pretty much all of the relationships that are established between the big primary characters... Like, they all feel developed, and, like, some get more time than others, but they feel, like, well thought out, and they do a really good job establishing, like, this sisterly connection between the two of them, even though they haven't really gotten to know each other that much. Yeah. And so, she's established she needs, like, three things to make this Wand of Light, which have very amazing names. Yeah, so, like... Measure of Hope, the Ring of Love, and the... Gem of ice lit by hope's eternal flame. Which, I'll tell you right now, that's a very cool quest. I'm, like, I'll be honest, I was also a little, like, unsure about, like, oh, are they just, is this just gonna be, like, a very standard, oh, you go to these four different set-piece kingdoms and all these things happen, and, but no, it ends up being, they do it in kind of a unique way, I, I think. agree. Yeah, so Brietta, Shiver, and Annika, they are going through the forest and looking around. And suddenly, oh, it's another st- scene where Shiver starts sliding. Yeah, there's another slide where uh, Shiver ends up like falling down some kind of chute. And when Annika and Brietta kind of go after her, they get up caught in these nets. Mm-hmm. And then... Suddenly, a mysterious figure rolls around. It is a young ranger type thing, if we're going into fantasy classification. He's like a a blacksmith. Anyway, this is our kin for the movie. Yeah, he's a guy named Aiden, uh, who helps both Brietta and Annika get out of the net. Yeah, and... Just to know about Aiden, he's definitely one of the more interesting. Oh, definitely, kids. like probably the most interesting. I I would I would definitely agree. Like, yeah. uh, I feel like the clo- the closest second we ever got to that would be maybe like the two princes in Princess and the Popper, mostly yeah. because like you actually bothered to give them different personalities because there were two of them. Yeah, and maybe Nutcracker. I guess, yeah. I guess he had some baggage in that. He had too. some baggage. Like he was. I feel like his whole thing that was that was okay. They did a decent job, but yeah. But like anyway. But Aiden. So Aiden. He's like, and him and uh, Annika are snarking at each they other. They are just so snarky, and he doesn't really like think she has what it takes. Granted, it could have been really easy to be like, oh, he's just mean to you because he likes you, which. Yeah. They kind of do that in a little bit of the beginning when they're first meeting each other and still hostile to each other. But also, 
They don't like keep it up for long. No, they know? do not. And it's never. It doesn't really come up into that. Ooh, hetero couples. If they hate each other, that means they love yeah, each other. Yeah, no, no. They end up. Thing. There are some actually genuinely funny lines though in their initial encounter. Like he yeah. says something like, "Only an idiot would go into the forbidden forest," and she's like, "Well, you're here, so." Yeah, it's like the fact that they were able to have that sort of chemistry right off the bat is like this movie just keeps giving us things, and like I was. Like, I was keeping on waiting for, like, there to be, like, some overtly weak element, and it just kind of not, didn't come. Yeah. So, anyway. So, she has to go save Shiver. So, she just goes down the chute without much thought. Yeah, like, he's, so Aiden's just like, yeah, go back home, and she's just like, screw that, and she, she takes the initiative and goes after her, and he's just like, oh, crap, and he, and he's like, God, I gotta save her now, shoot. And uh, it turns out there's this giant that has Shiver in this giant pot of stew, and uh, Annika finds herself also trapped in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're able to escape by outsmarting this giant. Also, this is the 3D scene. Yes. So we get that established by having many shots of this big giant man throwing vegetables and yeah. pieces of wood at the screen. Yeah, I was. I gotta admit, you, you're right when yeah. you said it was gonna be a lot lamer, and <laughs> boy, oh boy, did that deliver. Yes. But it's yeah, just so this one scene that is like this in the whole movie. It's yeah, and it, it it feels very tacked on too. Like in yeah. terms of like the grand scheme of things, like you could have had this trial of courage be anything but i guess given the design of this giant and the setting he shrek he looks a lot like shrek and he likes onions he likes onions and i'm almost convinced like some mattel executive was thinking all right what do the kids like in the movies i don't know but oh shrek i like your your gumption kid he's he's not really shrek like in personality no. he's not snarky he's, he's just dumb kinda, yeah he's a dummy yeah and like i figured they didn't care they were probably just like just get the design and the, the swamp and you can handle it it's not okay so gotta pump it out essentially she ends up uh, tricking him by kind of going into his ego by saying well i met this goliath that could tie themselves to the a post, post and break themselves out and i'm just like okay yeah. You want to know how great Annika is as a character within this Barbie movie? If this was a more mainstream movie, there would be piss boys on the internet complaining about how she's such a Mary Sue. Yeah. That's how awesome she is. So I salute you, Annika. And I also salute Kelly Sheridan because she she is clearly having a whole lot of fun with this role. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just... It's just such a much more, like, dynamic Barbie character. Yeah, like, you could just tell that they actually gave her some great material to work with, and yeah, yeah, it just really reflects in the work. She she takes a ribbon out from her hair, and she ends up, like, doing a carrot grappling hook to Mm -hmm. get them out of there. And they eventually meet up with uh, Aiden and Brietta, and Aiden is like, well, I thought I was coming to save you, but I guess I didn't. I guess you're more brave than I thought you were. So it was like that okay. of respect. Yeah, like, again, it could have been really easy for him to be like, well, I guess you got lucky. But no, as soon as, like, he actually starts getting to know her, he's just like, oh, okay, no, you're like a person, and yeah, I'm going to treat like, you like... make him like a, like a negging person, you know? No, it's like, just like, 
Yeah, it's like, not all men. You're right. Aiden would never, do that. Never do this. Yeah, Aiden's one of the good ones, y'all. <laughs> yeah, and so essentially... I could aspire to be like Aiden. I think we all should aspire to be yes. like Aiden. Yes, yeah. So uh, Anyway, so Brietta notices that the ribbon she had used to escape was her exact measurement. And lo and behold, that was the measurement of courage the whole time. And, it t- and the ribbon turned into a staff. Okay, I'll I'll admit, whenever we watch one of these Barbie movies, there will often be moments where I'll just be like, boo, that only happened once in this movie, and that was just, like, the measure of light, where I'm like, oh, come on, your your MacGuffin is a pun, no, boo. But, I mean, what I I like, we kind of mentioned how it sort of, like, went against the traditional go get the MacGuffin yeah. plot line in that a lot of these cases, the thing they needed was, like, with them the whole Within time. Within them the whole time. They just needed to, like, yeah. They just needed to, like, go through these tests of character to be able to do it. What? Are you okay? <laughs> no, my mind is just blown thinking more about this movie. Like, this is That's great. the message. That's the message. Yeah. Okay, so after finding this, they need to, like, try and find the other components. And they they want to try and find the ring or the gem. Mm-hmm. And Aiden, somewhat reluctantly, says he might know a guy. Yeah, and before that, Aiden was just going to, like, go on his way. But she noticed that he had this sword with him that he said that he made himself. And then she was like, oh, he's a blacksmith. We're probably going to need him in order to forge to, this. Yeah, yeah. forge the staff. So he does end up going with them. Yeah. Like she says, I was mean to my parents before they got turned to stone, and I want a second chance. Mm-hmm. And that connects with them. And that was. He's the, got backstory. He's got backstory. He's got listener. They gave him depth. They gave him an actual freaking personality, and it's like, ah! I know. And like, so essentially. He decides to come with them, and he leads them to this, like, jewel shop, which is in this sort of really cool, like, we get this really cool scenic shot. Yeah, this is definitely what is most similar to the Berstadt landscapes that I was telling you about. And I literally just wanted to pause the movie for a moment, just so I could just marvel, because this is a beautiful screen composition. It's just like... I just want to give the biggest props to, like, the production designers and, like, the people who made these backgrounds. Like, there's just a level of craftsmanship applied in this movie that just, it's amazing. So... Uh, Before, we should probably mention, we kind of get a really brief scene in Winlock's lair. Yes. When he is talking to these, like, little kind of, like, troll-looking women. Yes, and he's talking about, like, what he's going to serve at his wedding. Mm -hmm. And... And he, like, tries all the fish, uh, the beef, and what else was there? The chicken. The chicken. And she's like, I'll have them all. And, but he finds a fish bone in his mouth, and that causes him to just, like, upend, like, the tray in his, in this, like, troll's face. And, like, just with this simple act, it's like, you just get the total picture with this guy. Like, his delivery is so entertaining but like he's just so morally reprehensible that you just you just love to hate him so much he's it's just a really interesting way they write it these sort of villains like normally when you have like those sort of charismatic villains like it's so easy for them to be for like a bunch of edgy 
piss boys to be like, oh, he's I, totally I, me. Yeah, but I with am this damaged. like damaged. But they, but with this like they make him charismatic while also making it just completely overt that this is a piece of garbage that you do not want to be like. And it's just like, how come more movies haven't been able to do this? Like, we, we're we doing this podcast because we believe that these movies are somewhat underappreciated, but this movie is able to do things that some filmmakers with a bigger budget and more clout aren't able to do for some reason. And it's just like, holy crap. Yeah, I definitely feel like this movie, it almost feels like, like, even aside from just being a Barbie movie, it kind of stands on its own as, like, a good, like, children's fantasy. Yeah, like, I'd say that this is, like, I'm just gonna say it, it's, like, on the same line as, like, a B-tier Disney animated movie, like, stuff like Aladdin, a a Tarzan. But anyway, let's just kind of... Okay, yeah, we need to... So they go to this jeweler's place and they meet this, like, skeevy jeweler. Yeah. like, they imply that he, like, steals all his stuff. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they trade Annika's skates for a map that turns out to be fake. Yeah. Like, this is what I was talking about, how, like, there's just this level of danger in this world where it feels... Like, especially, I don't know, it, it adds this level of stakes to it that, yeah. it like, the fact that they can't trust everyone here is, is great. It's great. Yeah, and so, essentially, and you forgot to mention there was a part where, like, uh, Aiden was going to trade his sword for the map, but she ended up saying, like, no, take my skates instead. Yeah. So that's a, a thing they usually also establish in the Barbie movies where they kind of make like, one to point out, like, Barbie is selfless. She mm-hmm. will put others' needs before her own. But I think that's, and that's, yeah, you're definitely right. That is a common trait to Barbie within these movies. But also, we saw how much she valued those skates, like, and how, like, she broke her parents' rules and, like, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And it almost, like, shows how much she's developed by the fact that she's able that she decides to, like, give him up for the sake of helping yeah, her family. and, like, what I like is they don't put this all on uh, Annika because later on there are other main characters that also have to, like, sacrifice, sacrifice something. Yeah. Yeah. Other people. All right, so they start... They going, fu- going up this, like, mountainside, and there's, like, this snowstorm going on, and they got a scene that's, like, really like that one scene from The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, where, where it's like, like we the- need to go back. It's too dangerous, but... Annika's like, I can't. I have to do this. Yeah, because they're on the second day at this point. But, so. but Aiden is like, you need to rest. We need, look at uh, Brietta. She's been carrying you this whole way, and like Annika kind of realizes, oh, I might have been thinking too much about myself. And it's more character development. Yeah. And it's so great. So they end up spending the night, uh, and uh, it, this isn't one. Where Aiden reveals his no, backstory. No, that's yet. Uh, the second time. But that, they they like find this cave and they kind of spend the night and there there's like this nice moment where Brietta is like with Shiver and Shiver is like trying on the crown that mm-hmm. she has. I I do like even if this like a, this is a shorter movie, they still have some time to like have these little character moments. Yeah, I agree because like I said, it like they give you just enough where you can like basically ascertain the rest of that whole dynamic for yourself and it's just really efficient storytelling and really good character developments and 
I just really appreciate that. But the next morning, uh, they're looking around the area, and they see... This big kind of, like, ice pillar type thing. Which, again, beautiful landscape, but they see that there's something shiny at the top. And she's like, oh, it's the last day, our last hope. Hope's eternal flame. Yeah. A bit of a stretch. A bit of a stretch, yeah, but they end up flying up there. There's, like, this... It's dungeon crawling time. It's dungeon crawling time, which, I mean, Shivers is definitely the rogue. Uh, I guess Aiden is, like, the fighter. Yeah. I call Barbie. Barbie is, like, a wizard in this one. Because she doesn't, like, have, like, inherent magic. She, like, achieves magic. Yeah, and I... Where would that put Brietta? Like, I mean, Brietta never does does really anything Except transport them, so... Yeah. Yeah. You definitely got that nice group dynamic, but... Uh, they find this inscription written in the Celtic runes, which, again, wish they leaned more into that aesthetic, but it's appreciated, where they say, only take what you need and not out of greed. So they enter in basically the Cave of Wonders from Aladdin. and Ice cavern time. Yeah, and so there are a couple of moments where, oh, no, she almost tripped on a thing and rocks are falling towards the screen, so... But eventually they come to this giant room full of diamonds, and Annika ends up taking one of them, but Aiden is about to take an- another one, and Annika's like, no, we, we can't take multiple of them. But he ends up taking it, and nothing happens. Which is like, this is a nice little subversion, okay. But then, uh, Shivers... Shivers was... greed DMs them all. Yeah, like, uh, they kind of established earlier Shivers like sparkly things, so... Yeah. It's a thing. Uh, anyway, they gotta escape, and so they got the falling rocks and, like, the cave collapsing, but, you know, they make it out all right. Yeah, so. so so they end up going back to the cave that they were in, sleeping the night, and now they're just thinking, like, oh, we need to find a band of love, like a like, ring of love. Ring of love. Now that they have the diamond, Aiden wants to, like, start melting down a sword so that he can start attaching the gem to the staff. When Brietta says, melt my crown down instead, even though... Uh, they previously established that with that crown, it's like the one way that she can see what she looked like when she was a human. Yeah. But she's willing to sacrifice it because she loves her family. Yeah, and it becomes the ring of love. Another thing that they had the, the whole time. Yeah, was... but it's like you said, it's a nice subversion because it's like, oh, it didn't have to be a ring for your finger. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, and it's not like a, and it's like a sisterly love that they base it on. Yeah, another proto-frozen thing. And it's like, Cool! Yeah, and while he's uh, forging it, Annika ends up asking him, they said that uh, you, it would be bad to take the gems from Greed, but it didn't start collapsing when you took the gem. Why would you need it? And that's a really yeah. tragic backstory. Time. Also, can I just say I loved the way that line was written. That was like, that was a very nice structured line because it called back to the... I, I just love it. Okay, yeah. but yeah, So backstory. essentially it turns out Aiden had been... Uh, given money from his family that he was essentially told to, like, make a life with, and he ended up uh, gambling it all away. Very prodigal son stuff. Admittedly a little basic, but it's still very effective. And he decided that he wanted to live in the dark woods rather than face them. So, like, it's very rare that you see Barbie as a flawed individual, but it's even more rare that you see Ken as a flawed person because, uh... 
they don't really afford him much personality. Because most of the time, Ken isn't really in the movies that much. Like, if we're going to be honest, from a marketing standpoint, Ken ends up being essentially kind of like an accessory. Yeah. Like, you would buy uh, a Ken for the same purpose like that you would maybe buy Barbie new shoes Mm -hmm. or something like that. Again, props to this movie for, like, giving him that level of depth where, like, you're able to, like, flesh a character out with, like, very little. And true, you, like, harp on these sort of tropes, but tropes are a very good shortcut to, like, be able to tell such effective stories. And, like, this is a very tropey movie overall, but, like, the fact that they use it in such original and creative ways, it's... If you enjoy writing fantasy stories, like, this is definitely a good watch to see how you could potentially, like, do some different things with, like, the standard fantastical hero's journey thing yeah and it definitely does like go into like that sort of like not quite hero's journey thing but something sort of similar where we have this moment where like annika kind of needs to like step up and she ends up learning things about herself and about the people around her yeah and so essentially after they forge the wand of light they decide to see how it works so she Uses it to try to turn Brietta back into a human. And it succeeds. Yeah. And so she she kind of like says, I wish for Brietta to be turned back. And so Brietta is turned back, which is, it's kind of weird because it's established that Brietta is like 17 years older than Annika, but they like look about the same. So but, it's like... but I brought this up like, what if Wemlock, when he turned her into a Pegasus, made it so that she wouldn't age? That way, in the event that she would be like, oh, I'll marry you, she would still be young. And it just, like, that's probably not what was the intention. But like, that's my little headcanon because it just adds this extra layer of skeeviness to Wemlock and it's just yeah that's definitely a thing i i always wonder are they like applying that like pegasus or maybe like a mortal yeah which you know now she's just a mortal lady again but i mean i mean there's that's always the struggle with immortality like if you live forever and you experience everything wouldn't you eventually long for death man i wonder if that's what barbie was thinking (laughs) so now uh now that they basically have the wand of light, they need to rush back to the kingdom, but suddenly, Wemlock descends upon his griffin, and oh, they have... Yeah, you forgot. They also oh. summon Pegasus, and this is also where uh, Aiden and uh, Annika have, like, a parting moment, because he's like, well, I guess you don't need me anymore, so yeah. I'm going. Yeah, even though, like, they both clearly have, like, oh, no, I'm gonna miss you. Feelings? What? What is this? No! Okay, goodbye. Yeah, so essentially we get a nice scene of where uh, Annika and Brietta are flying on these uh, pegasi, and they're kind of like having fun, but then, yeah, Winlock shows up with a griffin, and he's like, I've, I've, it's been so long, I've missed the magic beams of these yeah. Barbie villains, because he, he brings out the magic beams, and he's like trying to shoot him out of the sky, and, yeah. and flight in flight combat scenes that are definitely a lot more entertaining definitely than more so than peritopia jesus because they have a lot more quick cuts like there's a lot more speed with these i think they probably looked at peritopia and were thinking like okay we these scenes have good stuff in them but what do we need to do to improve them so and so he ends up shooting brietta out of the sky and she ends up crashing and annika also ends up crashing 
Well, gotta make some Pegasus glue now. Oh, no. But... But anyway, so Annika wakes up and uh, Brietta is unconscious. And so Winlock descends down on them and Annika is McFrickin' pissed at this point. Yeah, so she's like, she pulls out the water line and she's like, I want to destroy Wenlock. And it's just like, oh. Yeah, but it turns out the wand of light does not work in situations of anger or ill intent. Which... Okay, that's a ni- that's like a nice subtle lesson to teach to kids. Yeah, I and think. it kind of establishes that like Winlock would never be able to use it. Yeah, like, there's just so much in this movie. It's it's just yeah. I'm just, I just I'm just gonna keep gushing about this movie. But, but anyway, it gets intense because then Barbie is like, okay, I guess I'll marry you if you release the spells. But then Winlock is like. Nah, I just decided that nah. I didn't like you threatening me. So, goodbye, avalanche, attempted murder, oh, flies yeah. off with both the wands. Barbie, like, almost dies yeah. in this movie. He just straight up tries to freaking kill her. Yeah. Like, that's, those stakes have never gotten that high before in these movies. And yeah, like, we didn't, we haven't gotten enough a fake-out Disney death for Barbie herself in any of these movies yet. Well, until now, basically, because suddenly uh, Aiden comes back and Brietta wakes up and Aiden and Shiver start digging her out of the snow while Brietta just just stands there, but, like... It's, like, I don't know. You think maybe she was going to remember where she, like, thought she was dead, so she was, like, in, like, a... Like a state of panic for a second or something. Which would have been good, but it's she's mostly just kind of like standing. Yeah, maybe they established more. It would. Maybe she forgot that she could use her hands now that she's a human. She's like, oh god, if only I had hands. But anyway, they dig out Annika, who is unconscious, and they end up taking her to the cloud kingdom where they're able to warm her up and she's all okay yeah and she definitely recovers from almost dying pretty gracefully yeah well she kind of has to because the sun's about to set and she needs to like find a way to get the wand of light now Mm -hmm. so the three little pegasus people they are going to try their best to delay the sunset with their magic and it's just like okay there was a reason the Cloud Kingdom makes sense now. Like, set up and pay off. Great job. Yeah. And, and so they all get on Pegasi and they go and fly to where Winlock's lair is. So we get another good evil villain castle lair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before this, we got a quick scene where, like, Winlock is in the in his chambers and he's trying to use the Wand of Light to, like, use him on the troll woman. Yeah. But... To no avail, because like I said, you can't use it to hurt people, so yeah, he's just like, whatever, it doesn't work, and he like throws it into his gold pile that yep. he has. Definitely. So now... Guys, it's time for the ultimate sliding scene. Oh, yes. Like, we had some sliding scenes in the little Cave of Wonders, as well yeah. as like... They had a slide in the Cloud Kingdom. In the Cloud Kingdom. So, but now, uh, in order to get to Wemlock's lair... They're going to fly in through, and there's a shaft up there that they can skate down. Yes, like BMX. Like X Games, like all, like downhill skating, which I know there's downhill skiing, but... That That sounds very dangerous. Very dangerous, which makes it feel all the more amazing when they pull this stuff off. Like, 
I was eh with the skating initially, but like seeing them pull these sort of tricks, I was just like, heck yeah! And of course, Shiver also slides down there. Yes, and they end up sliding there, and they end up sneaking. Yeah, so Barbie's like talent thing actually was helpful in the climax of this movie. So yeah, they end up going throughout uh, Wemlock's castle, eventually coming to their treasure room, which also Wemlock's castle. Looks a lot like Elsa's ice palace. Eh. I mean, it's brown. It, a brown ice palace. Brown. Okay. Ew. 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 Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so she ends up going into the, uh, into the treasure room where she finds the staff. Uh, and while they're going up there, though, Aiden has to fight off the Griffins, so they end up being separated. Yeah, one thing I noticed is that when they have him fight the griffin, they actually kind of avoid having him, like, do, like, stabbing motions at it, I noticed. Like, He's just kind of swirling it around. Well, like, the way they animated the griffin, like, it's it's very furious, and it's moving very quickly, so it is kind of hard to, like, you almost get more of the impression that is definitely on the offensive here, where he's more, like, swinging back and forth to potentially block any, like, pecking attacks he has, and it's like, mm-hmm. good job! Hey, well done! With time running out, she ends up finding the wand, but suddenly the gem falls out because it was dislodged when uh, Wemlock kind of tossed it aside. Yeah. And the gem is starting to slide down, and it falls off the cliff. Yeah. And, so she... and she seems like all hope is lost. And it was a beautifully framed scene where she's just sitting on this ledge. Yeah, and we get like a cut back to the little Pegasus girls who are like, well, we can't prevent it any longer. And while this was happening, Aiden had been fighting the griffin, but he had been kind of knocked off the edge. Yeah, and we kind of... had arrived and he was coming up, so... And he starts climbing up and she's like, I lost the gem. And he decides to give Annika his own gem, which you didn't pick up and... Yeah, I guess as a kid, I just thought he somehow like got the one that fell off. But no, he like sacrifices his thing just so that he can help her out. Yeah, which, so like granted, all... she's rich and you could pay that stuff off. But also, yeah. like... Yeah, so like, the, the thing, like, all the main characters ended up have to, like, sacrifice something important to them. Yeah. Then again, I feel like with Aiden's thing, like, since he gambled it away, and not because he was, like, cheated by, like, a rich person, like, I do feel like, mm, I mean, but, okay, yeah, predatory gr- gambling. That but it is did a, show, like, you know, character growth. Yes, exactly, so-so. Uh, but now, but with that, uh, that's when Wenlock comes back, and uh, he's about to try and take them out, but that's when... It is revealed that the troll women were his previous wives that yeah, he Yes, and it's just like, I mean, you could... If you, like, paid attention because he said he already had three wives and there's three troll, like, older viewers could definitely put two and two together there. But, like, if you were a kid, I imagine that was probably would have shocked a couple of them and make them hate Wemlock even more because he's just such a garbage person and I love to hate him. He was all like, I was good, but they were annoying, so I wanted to get a new wife. And I was like, oh, "Oh, God. So skeevy. Oh, my God. So it turns out... Annika realizes that in order to use the wand properly, it can't be used out of hatred, like we said. But she declares that for the love of her family, she wants to reverse any spells that Wemlock put on other people. Yeah, I know before the wand had been briefly taken by him, but... It didn't work. But 
But oh, no, yeah. she, she the the wives had the wand for a second. She was able to convince them to be on her side. Yeah, she was like, I can make life better for all of us. And it's just that woman solidarity. And it's like yeah. this potential victim of abuse helping actual victims of abuse from an abuser. And it's like, yeah. oh my God. Like something about watching that, like today, that there's just something so refreshing about this. And it's just so... I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't want to say this movie is as good as Matt and Max Fury Road, but it's got those similar dynamics there, which the fact that they're doing very similar things, but on very drastically different scales, like, it just gives me so much respect for the filmmakers on this one. Yeah, I feel like we need, like, an air battle Mad Max movie, like a... Oh my god. All right, so, Annika the magic begins to surge around her and it's enough to suddenly make her change her dress, which... Yes, we got a dress transformation sequence in this one. And I After being absent for... Since, uh... I think the last one was Swan Lake, yeah. Yeah, Swan Lake. Yeah. I gotta be honest, viewer, like, this one was... I was very underwhelmed by this dress. Like, I know it's very easy for me, a straight dude, to be very judgmental about, like, her dresses and her choices, which I get that, and which is why I'm telling you to take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, but I just, I just didn't like the design of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the straps that threw it off. The str- like yeah, because it was basically like a strapless dress, except there were, like, these two Yeah, it was kind of like a... Because, like, we would need to have that on the toy. But anyway, it was, like... There was one detail about it. Like, I didn't like the ribbon part, but I thought, oh, I know why they put it there, because it's referencing the measure of bravery. Yeah. Because, like, the ribbon and all that stuff. Yeah, like, in these movies, there's gotta be a point where Barbie, like, puts on this prom dress, and it's like, okay... Because I remember, I think I remember someone having this toy, but they had a Barbie where you could, like, flip around the dress, Mm -hmm. and it would, like, she would have the regular dress, and then she would have the sparkly dress. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good times, indeed. But anyway, so she ends up reversing all the spells. The griffin turns into a little kitty cat. and And Wenlock is just an ordinary person. Like, just this pathetic, like, old... Balding man, like, frumpy-looking man. Yeah. And then... All three of his former wives are like, all right. And uh, they're turned back into beautiful ladies. Yes. Which I don't think that movie kind of does sort of get the implication where, like, being pretty equals being good or something like that. A little bit, yeah. But then again, that's also reflective of the fact that this is, like... Like, Wenlock was a very shallow person, so it would make yeah. sense that he did steal, like, other pretty women. But at yeah. the same time, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Annika, Aiden, and Shiver, and Brietta are about to leave, uh, and they offer to let the wives go with them. But they're, she's, they're like, nah, we have some stuff to settle with him, which I'm like, yes! They essentially Chew him make out. him their Put servant. him in the trash. Yeah, so they do end up getting their revenge. And also we mentioned one of the models for the wives was the same model used for uh, Odette's sister in the Swan Lake Yeah. Movie, which was very like, oh, okay. Oh, no. 
got to keep up the continuity. The grand uh, yes. Barbie cinematic universe. Like, after, after Odette and the prince got married, like, her sister was also considered a princess based off of, like... Because they were probably inducted into the royal family. Yeah. And that's when Wemlock stuck in and took her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's like, I'm going to turn you into an animal. And Oda is like, that has already happened to me. So. Yeah. That I, I'm just going to imagine that she's going to be back in her kingdom now. And yeah. back with Odette and all that stuff. So that's, oh, that's good for nice. her. Yeah. Yeah, good for her. I so, still wonder how the bowl cut kid fits into all this because he was in multiple of those ones well i i think he was like the kid that like barbie was skating with earlier but you can see the bowl no cut. that was a different bowl cut kid uh, this is not the og bowl cut oh apologies i'm thinking a bowl cut is maybe like some sort of like trickster who like, a trickster god akin like, to like stanley in the marvel movies yeah he like, like keeps the same face everywhere he goes but you always know it's him He's i noticed that the young. king resembled the baker in my mind. Yeah. I don't think it was the same. No, it wasn't the same model. But The king might have been reused, to be honest. He kind of looked like... He looked pretty generic. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we need to wrap this up. So, uh, they all return to the kingdom, and they're able to reverse the spell. And, like, the parents are like... Uh, the parents... They're like, we should have told you the truth. And she was like, I should have uh, not taken you for granted. So, at the very least, at least, like... They acknowledge that, like, okay, we... We done goofed. We did. We did dirty by you, Annika. We're sorry. So like, there's like that accountability, and it's great. And then that's when Brietta comes, and then there's this very happy reunion, and it's yeah. it's just very sweet. And and for the rest of the movie, like we get a scene of uh, her and Aiden like ice skating, and before then well, we actually have her meet Aiden's father, who says the father is like. I forgive you, I just love you, I just wanted you to be home. So yeah, exactly. Nice. Like, very prodigal son. But it was still, like, it was still very nice and yeah. still greatly appreciated. I did kind of notice they never really had, like, a love declaration or, like, a kiss moment between Aiden and uh, Annika. They just no. Yeah, or, like, a wedding or anything like no, that. No, instead, like, the movie ends with them just skating around in the Cloud Kingdom. And, like, they remark, like, oh, they sure look happy together. And it's... Which could be just imply like maybe they just end up being just, like just friends. Oh, they were doing some intense ice. Skating okay, yeah, they were so. they were doing very intense ice skating. So yeah, it's it was like it was kind of nice. It definitely, it felt a lot less heavy handed than previous Barbie romances. Definitely, and like the fact that you could still like ascertain a romance with it without it being like shoved down our throats. Yeah. Like there's a sentiment that like oh. Like, why do they gotta put these sort of romances shoved down our throats? But, like, if it's a romance between, like, uh, two people of the same gender or people, romances involving gender-diverse people or, heck, even interracial, like, relationships, like, a lot of people will talk about, oh, this is just shoved down our throats, but... But they, no, they don't know what it's they, like to be bombarded with the heterosexual. Oh yeah, yeah, like in the most movies. the straightness in these movies is, as I say, as the token straight man, yeah, the straight cis white dude. Are you I'm really sorry. a token if there's just two of us here? I'm I'm saying token in terms of like the targeted audience. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Plus, the hope is that we can uh, bring on guests from other diverse backgrounds and yeah. stuff eventually with this that show. That would be good. That yeah. would be really good. Yeah. If you enjoy this show and you like our 
because we are both like two white people. Like, granted, like Emma, you're not straight, and yeah. you're also a woman, so that yeah. also. But like, like we just love to hear the perspective of like different people about the Barbie movies and all that stuff. So definitely, and I think it's something like a lot of people have a lot of nostalgia and a lot of interest in, and that's kind of like the point of this podcast, I think. Yeah, because, I mean, granted, nostalgia has been so commodified by a lot of people, and it has definitely manifested in a lot of bad ways, but, like, on its face, like, nostalgia can be used to, like, do good things. Like, people appreciate these movies partially out of nostalgia, but because of that nostalgia, it, like, it keeps it in the zeitgeist, and it potentially, like, exposes new people to, like, the great stuff that is already in that and yeah, i think and i think this is like a good sort of introductory like fantasy story like mm-hmm. it's the, this is definitely one like some of these barbie movies i look back at them and it's like eh, as an older person there just isn't a lot of interest in here but this one like it holds up pretty yeah well. like in terms of our recommendations definitely uh this movie like just talking about it right now, like, I think that does sort of solidify it, that this is now, like, my favorite Barbie movie that we've watched. And yeah. And I'd say, like, it's still Magic Pegasus, Princess and the Popper, but that's mostly nostalgia. Yeah, that's kind of like, keep, I had and, nostalgia for this movie, but this was your first time watching it. So yeah! Cool. Like, I was going in this completely b- blind, and, like, it's this sort of stuff where I'm glad that we keep the whole first impressions like, segment in this podcast, and, yeah, it's just, go watch this movie, y'all. Yeah. Like, if me gushing about this movie isn't enough to, like, give you an indication that this is worth pursuing, like, by all means, like, if you have kids, totally show it to them. If you're, heck, if you're an adult without kids, like, pour yourself, like, a nice drink, like, sit down, like, make some popcorn, and, like, just nestle in and, and enjoy this movie because you deserve nice things, and this is one of those. Yeah, I mean, if, like, Barbie is something that, like, you're nostalgic for and maybe you, like, didn't check out this movie, I definitely would give it a recommendation. Definitely. Like, I had I had a good time revisiting it, and, you know, I don't know, I just, it holds a special place in my heart. And I think for good reason. Yeah, but before we conclude, we gotta mention that there was an original song yes. that was in this movie called Hope Had Wings, and it was like, they had like a music video for it that was like a, a, a special feature on the DVD, and it was sung by Brie Larson, of yes. all people. Brie Larson, before Captain Marvel, before Room, before being Envy Adams in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Brie Larson was spitting fire in Barbie the Magic of Pegasus in her hit song Hope Has Wings and you know what instead of ending off with our usual theme song dolls I think I want to end off with that tonight okay so yeah and so next time we are going to be looking at the Barbie Diaries which I am very intrigued yeah so it's gonna be so weird because after like coming off of like this extremely interesting movie I'm curious to see what they end up going yeah, for. Yeah, this one, me. it has, like, a different art style. And it it's, has, like, a contemporary movie. And it's very slice of life compared to, like, the high fantasy adventure that we're very so used to. So it's, like, I, I'm intrigued. I'm just wanting to see what it's going to be like. But I guess it's time to give our final ratings. And I gotta say, I'm gonna 
give this one five gems of ice lit by hope's eternal flame out of five and listener i'm sure you could also ascertain that the rating is mutual here watch this movie you coward anyway thank you for listening to another episode of the pink isle so emma What's going on with you? Where can people enjoy your stuff? Uh, as always, I write for The Shield at USI, and mostly I'm just uh, striving and surviving mm. in this glorious time we are living in. So. Uh, yep, yep, and I say good on you for doing that, and well done. And as always, you can find my stuff. I'm Henry Kaplan. You can just Google me and find me on YouTube, on Twitter, and on my Henry Kaplan Tumblr, which is where I compile all my other work. But also, if you enjoy the show, give us a follow on Twitter, at Pink Isle Pod. By this point, hopefully we will have been Im- implementing more fun stuff aside from just links to the episodes. We've been finding a lot of great fan art and stuff, and surprisingly, Barbie memes. So if you enjoy some Barbie memes, you should keep an eye out for that. So definitely, so. like, so I guess we're signing off, and yeah. till then, uh, uh, may your hope have wings. Woo. Goodbye. Bye.